Hello, I'm excited to have you join me today for the grand finale in the process season five, Procrastination Deeper Time. I'm Mark V. Smith. And if you haven't had an opportunity of listening to prior messages in my series, The Process, which included The Foundation, The Perfect Storm, Where Do We Go From Here, and Why Not Me, please do so. These series and all the acronyms towards growth can be heard on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, TuneIn, iTunes, and other media platforms. Please search Mark Smith the process to visit and or listen uh, to, to those messages again. I truly want to thank you again for your support with the comments. They are very, very much appreciated. You know, I know something that's true, that, that, that's factual, and that's life's decisions are so important in everything we embark on. And sometimes the decisions we make are the catalyst of success or frustration. If you notice, I didn't say failure. Before I get into what I mean specifically, let's take a moment and dial backwards and understand how I got to this point of procrastination of the thief of time. From the onset in this series, I gave you a message, one of deliberate purpose, excuse me, which is my mantra. And that was yesterday I was consumed with worry. Today, I choose to believe so tomorrow I will create my legacy. As a parent, <laughs> I can remember telling my teenage sons to be home by midnight on weekends and don't be late. I also remember the golden ad adolescent stages of life when I felt like nothing would ever happen to me. So I guess um, my deliberate need to quote unquote lose track of time was destined to come back and bite me in the butt <laughs> when my kids were teenagers. What I didn't realize then, but I know now, is that when I would not abide by my parents' curfew restrictions, it caused worry within the household. They wondered, was I in trouble? Was I in an accident? And even worst case scenario, was I dead somewhere? See, those thoughts that each parent has comes back into focus when we all choose not to follow directions from those that love us. Each minute that passes by with no communications from my sons, I had to believe that they were okay and just were following a pattern that I did growing up, rebellious and disobedient. Sometimes I would just close my eyes and pray that they were all right, but also get more and more upset every minute I didn't hear the door open. There were a few times um, when I would doze off waiting to hear from them with the mindset that they will they will be held to pay tomorrow, just as it happened to me growing up from a situation that I created. It truly was not a pleasant Saturday or Sunday morning. See, I can laugh now because they have kids of their own. And I pray for what most parents say. That's I hope your kids grow up and act just like you did. Again, I encourage you to go back to listen to the prior messages to elaborate on the acronyms that I've used in this series. When I started thinking about uh, the season finale of procrastination, the thief of time, it brought back so many memories and stories that I've heard or experienced myself. What I find uh, amazing 
is that I hear so many people say how they would love to be a child again with no bills or even responsibility. I usually would ask them immediately, just curious, why do you feel that way? This usually strikes up a conversation <laughs> on how they really enjoyed their friendships in elementary school, high school, and some mentioned even their early college years. The times they went to went out to parties or fun memories with family trips with family. Then, like clockwork, the conversation usually tipped to a time when they almost got in trouble. In my last message, I talked about a good friend of mine, Robert, who is a lawyer in Chicago. Although Tasha and I don't see him and his wife Carol that often, when we do get together, a good portion of our conversation will revolve around things that we did as kids. Of course, as we get wiser, and you know me, I don't say older, these stories become a bit more dramatic than they really were. But hey, <laughs> nobody knows that but us. But it is within these stories of our growth, certain individuals have shaped us to be better sons, better husbands, and better fathers. Although there has been a multitude of things that we have done both right and wrong, we would not change one event in our lives that will help define our legacy. Legacy. Leaders exemplify greatness among choices over the years. That's legacy. Get ready for the season finale. Let me, let's begin my message. I'm going to start with the L, which is leaders. A simple truth in life is that we all have and or will admire, look up to, or emulate someone, most often a human being, at some point in our life. As kids, Robert and I love sports, primarily football more than others. We played basketball and baseball, but the game of football just took us to another level. Perhaps we were learning at an early age that this was a game like life, that requires unification of effort to reach outcomes, wins. So naturally, we both saw this as an opportunity to follow leaders or players that shined. Be but before I truly dive into our experience over time, let me give you what I know about leaders today. The greatest leaders are not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He or she is the one that gets people to do the greater things. Hmm. So, the impact uh, some of these individuals that we initially looked up to turned out not to be who we envisioned them to be. But isn't this the same in other areas of our life? In relationships? In the workplace? On television? Or the actors or actresses whom we admire? The point of emphasis is having the knowledge to know what defines leaders. Okay, enough of the foundation. Let's get back to my story. I mentioned that as kids, we love sports and how it uh, has given us the understanding and the value of teamwork. But it also opened our eyes to the world. Back in the mid-1970s, there weren't very many integrated youth sports organizations in Central Ohio. 
Now, our families were hell-bent on ensuring that we integrate, not for athletics, but for the understanding of how life is and what's intended to be lived with all races, one of unity. See, our first stop in exposure to leaders was with the Eastland Vikings Peewee football program and a coach named John Mollison. Unknown to him, we still talk about the way he taught us more about next level thinking. Matter of fact, we've always said that that, that is how we would manage our employees in the, in the world of work. Coach Mollison used to tell us something that is applicable in my life today. He said, true leaders always practice three R's. Respect for self, respect for others, and responsibility for their, for their actions. I think you need to write that down. Respect for self, respect for others, and responsibility for all their actions. See, these types of conversations are what he instilled in young men who were 9 and 10 years old. It wasn't all about learning how to block and tackle on the field or winning games. It was about blocking and tackling situations that happened in life and how to win in areas of life where it counts with people. Rosalind Carter said, a leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but where they ought to be. See, this is one of the first pillars in the creation of legacy. So let's move to the E in legacy, which is exemplifies. One of the constant things that I've said on multiple occasions is that we are always being watched. The definition of integrity is doing what one thinks is the right thing to do, even when nobody's watching. With a foundation in our lives, Robert and my own, who I'm speaking about, life was placing us in a position to understand what a legacy should entail. Great communicators exemplify the power of building relationships and creating respect. That will lead to achieving results that anyone can obtain. But no better person would fit that persona than Coach Stephen Tharp, our junior high basketball coach. I've always felt that wisdom often comes in the most unlikeliest places. Robert and I did something as seventh graders that never happened before, and that was make a junior high basketball team that was filled with all ninth graders. I remember us walking to the, the, the school building on that cold November morning and looking on the gym door to see who made the team. Robert and I were in disbelief to see our names with the last two on that roster. As you would imagine, there were several people who, who choose not to celebrate in our success. But isn't that the same in life? The negative stares were all over the school, especially from those who didn't make the team, specifically the underclassmen. Well, during lunch, Coach Tharp came over to my table and asked me to grab my food and come to his office. As we were walking, uh, he was stopped by a student and told me just go ahead to his office, finish my lunch, and he would be right there. While I was finishing my lunch, Robert came in the office and said, Coach wants to talk to us about this. And he handed me a piece of paper. It was written by Helen Keller, which said, Character K 
cannot be developed on ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition be inspired, and success be achieved. But it also has some words that were handwritten that read, How you react in the future exemplifies the man you become in the future. Now, there was no way I could remotely know how true this statement would be in my life personally and professionally. Societal norms have made it impossible to hide in public, no matter who you are. As I always remind everyone, we are always being watched. Doesn't that give credence to what I've spoken on before, which is how you do anything is everything? I recall... uh, going back to visit Coach Starp as a senior in high school to obtain his advice on college opportunities as well as college decisions. But more important, to ask him why he selected two unproven 13-year-old boys to be, a, to be a, uh, on a basketball team that had all ninth graders. <laughs> Coach laughed and said, I wondered if you would ever ask me that question. It was because everything you do exemplifies resiliency it exemplifies determination and it exemplifies desire and honor the skill set that you don't understand yet is how to use these to make a difference in the world but if you procrastinate on your true calling a legacy will be for naught let's move to the G in legacy which is greatness. John Mollison and Stephen Tharp had major influences in our lives. But just like some adolescents, there are some, <laughs> Robert and I included, that still did not apply these gifts early in life. But as I revisit the early years, I know now it was not for me to get at that point and that time in my life. But it was coming. Both men set the stage for not accepting mediocre effort and pushing to give your best always, not just in sports, but in the community, in the workplace, in our homes, but with our families. When I said we, which was Robert and I (laughs) in the last message were like Amos and Andy, who did everything together, this included our first jobs. The Youth Conservation Corps, YCC. It was an organization that hires young men and young women and tasks them to clean parks, build trails, and trim trees, a whole host of other activities that are needed for public parks to remain clean and safe. The pay was very good for those who finished the entire summer. It was there we were introduced to Mr. Alvin Franks. Mr. Franks had been a uh, former probation officer, a Marine, and a man who did not accept excuses. When I say he was tough, (laughs) he was like anyone, unlike anyone we've, we've encountered thus far. And he loved getting under everyone's skin. See, the program started out with 20 people who were selected for these summer jobs at Blackwood Woods Park, but ended with just six. If I was ever asked, do I think Mr. Franks has something to do with that reduction in force? I would emphatically say, hell yes. The first day of work, 
He sat us all down and told us that 60 to 7% of us would not make it in for a week. And each week after, more would quit. He looked at Robert and said, you won't last through today. Then turned to me and said, McDonald's is hiring you, man. Better go to apply today. You're not going to make it here. This was the very first time in our lives, but not the last, that we were really challenged to see how we would respond to such an insult to what we would do instead of what we could do. I think back to sitting on a park bench eating lunch that very first day <laughs> and honestly contemplating catching that bus to McDonald's to apply for that job. With five minutes left on our 30-minute lunch break, Mr. Frank sat next to me and said, What's your last name, son? Looking him directly in the eye, which is what my grandfather taught us to do, I said, Smith, sir. What came out of his mouth next was very random then, but over the course of my life, I know exactly what he was asking me. Mr. Frank said, Smith, at the end of the day, I want you to tell me what greatness means to you. Well, we went back to clearing the brush for the trails, but I told Robert and others that um, what he instructed me to do. All of us collectively were trying to figure out what would be the best way for me to articulate what greatness meant to me. Finally, I decided that I was going to tell him that it meant having people look up to me because I'm going to make a lot of money and be a professional. So as four o'clock came around, we knew this because they had a system that um, that was in set that it would blow a whistle every hour to make sure we knew what time it was out there in the woods. I was looking forward to going home. I was exhausted. So as I walked to the bus stop, Mr. Franks called me uh, by name and told me to come here. Before I got all the way to him, he told me to stop and tell him, what does greatness mean to me? <laughs> As I said, feeling exhausted from a hell of a day, I said greatness is people looking up to me because I'm going to be rich. <laughs> he shook his head and gave me, the, gave me the piece of paper and told me to memorize this. It will come in handy. The paper said, greatness is a lot of small things done very well every day the world greatness small every day were circle this very statement has gotten me through so many tough times in my journey whether it was at work relationships team building or even speaking today these small things done every day is something that we talked about about consistency which doesn't lie well, we made it. <laughs> we made it through the summer job with Mr. Franks. And we remained great friends until he passed in 2001. But the lessons on mental toughness, consistency, and pushing us not only to set goals, but be relentless in pursuing of goals, that was key. The last time Robert and I spoke with him before he passed, he told us that he was very, very proud of the men we had become and was honored to help us build legacies that would enrich the world. We talked about the L. We have the E. We have the G. Let's go to the A and legacy, which is among. 
the definition of the word among states surrounded by or in company of by being a member or members of a quote unquote large set. I personally have been truly blessed to be around some very impactful people in my life. Some I just mentioned for me. And I know Robert would agree. This would also be in the company of Luther Wayne Mixon. Coach Mixon was not only one of the greatest coaches in history, but he was also a father figure to many. Taking young men who were at that time 14 and 15 years old at the height of puberty can be a daunting task to embark on. It was the creation of a family atmosphere among all of us that still exists today. A few months ago, while visiting my mother, she gave me a pamphlet that was given to all of us at a awards banquet that I attended in 1979. On that pamphlet were names of men and women who are now lawyers, doctors, senators, business owners, congressmen, and the list goes on. Coach Mixon built a culture among us to think beyond our years of sports and focus on our careers and creation of a legacy for all of us to live behind. I want to close out today with the last letters. Choices over the years. So the C and the Y in legacy. In starting the final letters in this message, I want to make a bold but accurate statement. In in this life, we must make choices. Some are very important choices. (laughs) Some are not. Many choices over the years are those between good and evil. The choices over the years that we make, however, determine to a large extent if one is happy or one is unhappy, if we leave a legacy or we don't. Why? Because we must live with the consequences of all of our choices. As mentioned, there have been so many people who have impacted my life as each of them saw something in me that I didn't see in my own mirror. I just mentioned how choices over the years often have an impact on lives, correct? Well, there was a man who was just as a huge influence in my life, as well as robbers, that will always say profound things to us when we were heading down the wrong path. In college, I stayed in touch with John Milson, Stephen Stephen Tharp, Alvin Franks, Luther Wayne Mixon, and Roger Demery. Roger Demery, he was a principal, philanthropist, motivator, and groomer of men and women alike. He would stop us in the hallway and ask us questions like, what does it say about a student that is not in class early? Or, how does it uh, really take grasp to understand the knowledge of life? As you can imagine, (laughs) we just laughed it off. But he was speaking on something that I emphasize today. On time means you're late. And you will never stop learning in life. There was one specific incident that occurred that has always helped shape men Robert and I have become. And serves as a great reminder that choices over legacy is powerful. But choices over the years will always lead 
to a higher calling. Let me close with a personal story that I think will tie this together today. Several years ago, seven buddies and I went on a golf trip to Florida. It was wonderful. A lot of great golf on some of the most majestic golf courses in the world. But the real treat was a camaraderie, giving each other a hard time both on and off the course. We had great selection of courses to play, except our schedule was missing the granddaddy of them all, which is the Seminole Golf Course, considered to be the place where the game of golf began and all the legends of the game have played. Unfortunately, when planning our trip, we learned Seminole Golf Course was closed for a town festival. As luck would have it, <laughs> the day we rolled through the town of Juno Beach, which is where that's located, we learned the course had just opened uh, earlier in the day. Although it was very late in the day with damp weather and threatening skies, my good friend Robert and I decided trying to get on the Seminole was too good of an opportunity to miss. Our friends thought we were nuts, considering we had just finished a round of golf an hour ago. It was late in the day, and the weather outlook wasn't, wasn't uh, terrific. So, choice one. Robert and I took our clubs from the van and walked to the starter's captain. Hopefully there would be an open tee time, and we were ready to play at the home of golf. Given that we were only people uh, at the starter's cabin, he seemed only too happy to accommodate us but quickly let us know there's no caddies available at this hour and to watch out for the weather. <laughs> Hell, how hard could it be to find our way around a golf course without caddies? And where were all the prepared elements with our rain suits and our golf bags? Unfortunately, in the rush, <laughs> we have left our umbrellas in the van. Anyway, off we went, like two kids getting ready to open presents. Without uh, boring you with a hole-by-hole description, the first nine holes were great. We were loving it, making fun of our buddy's decision not to join us. And to top it off, it looked like the rain forecast was a false alarm. Hmm. We may have spoken too soon. Because as we completed the 11th hole, the skies were looking a tad bit darker. But this is Florida. And on this trip, we had already experienced side-blowing downpours, hail that sent us running for shelter, beautiful and sunny skies. And this was in the course of uh, during a three and a half hours round of golf. As we were walking up to the 13th green, we felt a mist beginning to fall. Choice two, do we break out our rain suits or not? Back then, rain suits were a bit bulky, making swinging a golf club more confining. Robert and I quickly decided, nah, this weather is nothing to worry about. Standing on the 14th tee, the mist got a little heavier, more like drizzle. So so now we're at choice three, rain suits or not. Our response was, "Mm, not just yet. Swinging our golf clubs more freely on the special course was worth getting a little damp. Well, over the next 60 seconds, we went from being okay feeling of a little damp to being caught in a abrupt, fierce downpour that felt like someone had turned the fire horse on us. Oh, did I mention the two brain trusts had left their umbrellas in the van on a rainy, threatening day? Regardless of the weather, there was no way we were not going to finish our seminal golf outing. 
So, so what if it's raining so hard that even the sheep on the course were heading toward cover? And so, what if Robert and I were dripping wet from head to toe as we approached our last hole? After our last putts fell into the water cap full hole, uh, 18th hole, we began walking toward the starter to thank him with a loud squishing sound coming from our golf shoes announcing our arrival. Taking one look at us with a laugh, he told us we were the last people to leave the course and asked why. Did you have fun? Fun. Choice four. It was great. This is a personal story about the power of having personal choice and using it. I talked a little bit earlier about that and what that means. As family caregivers, the the comment I hear most often causing family caregivers great anguish is the belief that they have little control over the circumstance influencing their family caregiving responsibility in their day-to-day lives. So what does that look like? Not having a choice is an antidote for believing that there is a lack of control in your life to leave a legacy. Every choice does not have to be perfect to leave a legacy. In fact, most choices are not, but they are made considering all the circumstances involved, which is family, upbringing, individuals, as well as your own, it must include your own personal needs. The power of choice is in your own hands. Your choice is to ask family, friends for help at sometimes to get you through those tough situations. Your choice is to be assertive and necessary for loved ones' well-being. And your choice is to ensure you include activities that bring you joy in your life. There are times when it's empowering for you to choose your personal priorities over anyone else. Be comfortable with those choices and don't automatically feel a need to put your rain suit on when you believe there is not no need for it for a good reason. Most important, you can choose the meaning you give to any situation. Drenched to the bone, Robert and I told the starter we had a great experience. Why? Because to us, just being on the Seminole Golf Course and playing this special course completed our trip and helped prepare us for our legacy. We're defined by the meaning of our experience. So we knew from the moment we stepped onto that first tee, it was going to be a great time. You could say we set ourselves up to uh, to succeed, and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah, there's also one more one more choice worth mentioning. For the, for those that are listening, <laughs> whether you're a writer, a contractor, a teacher, a politician, a caregiver, or a speaker. Sometimes the best personal choice is to consider knowing when it's time to get out the rain. It's your choice on the legacy others will remember. Leaders exemplify greatness among choices over years. That's legacy. Help yourself. Help others. Who has been influential in your life? Whomever they were or are, let them know the impact they've had on your growth. I've always said we all need people to push us to grow forward. Let me remind you what this really means. Yesterday, I was consumed with worry. 
today I choose to believe so tomorrow I will create my legacy procrastination and thief of time has been written for uh, for this very reason letting go of the old you and embracing who you are at the core but see call me naive but I strongly believe everyone has a propensity to reach levels so far beyond what you can see some can see others have vision the question remains are you willing to accept the trials and tribulations to thwart procrastination from stealing your calling who is it today yesterday or even tomorrow that needs this ever so gentle reminder the push those words like those that were spoken to me what does it mean to be leaders that exemplify greatness among choices over the years share this message with someone listen to it again multiple times to ensure procrastination will no longer be your thief of time as you're delivering that hand as you're delivering that wisdom as you're delivering this message always remember your why is greater than your situation which is part of your process Tatasha, my mom mama sarah I love you very, very much and thank you again so much for your support. To the world's future's leaders, my grandbabies, Kaya, Jalen, Gideon, Asher, Reagan, Ivy, and Luke. Poppy loves you, babies. Oma and I will see you soon. Take this time to reflect on something that is important, especially as you look in your mirror. That is change begins and ends within to ensure we embark on the actions that are concurrent with legacy changing in 2021 and beyond. God bless you. I will speak to you soon. Take care.